Welcome to the Money Making Women podcast with me, Ray Dodd. I'm a money and business coach who believes that you are absolutely capable of earning life-changing amounts of money. I also believe that doing so is not as straightforward as the internet makes out. If you're looking for a conversation that goes beyond pure manifestation and hustle and into the nuance and intersections of what it means to be a money-making woman, then this is the space for you. So thank you for joining me. Um, I'm going to be talking about what it really means to be good with money. So you've probably heard this phrase bandied about, and that's what I'm going to be talking about. Bandied about, banded about, banded about, I think. Anyway, so this is something that, um, unsurprisingly, because it's me and a lot of things get my goat, this is something that really, really winds me up. It's a pet peeve, as the Americans would say. And that is this idea of being good with money. The amount of people I speak to on the clarity calls or on other things where they say, oh, I'm just not good with money. I'm just not good with money. And often what they mean by that is they mean they're not good at budgeting and they're not good at managing their money or they feel like they're not. It also often means that they enjoy spending and they see that as a bad thing. It often means that maybe they're not good at tracking their money and they will say, I'm not good with it. I'm not good with money. Like money's not money and me. I hear things like money and me, we're just not really friends. Like I'm just not good at it. And we are told throughout our kind of culture and society that, and sometimes families as well, that really the pinnacle of money is often the way we manage it. So the idea is that we should be budgeting and we should be sticking to budgets. Maybe let me know in the comments, actually, for those of you that are watching, um, what would it mean to you to be good with money? But being good with money is often a very, like, I mean, so budgeting, not spending and not getting into debt. And the thing is, I think that that very reductive idea of what it means to be good with money is really unhelpful. I think that when we make being good with money all about what we don't do, rather than a more expansive view in it, then we are, only, we are saying that money is only available to certain people. So what if you're not good? What if you're not someone who's good at admin around stuff? What if you are somebody who um, struggles to track those things? Does that mean it's just not for you, that you just need to kind of mindset your way into being the different version of yourself? I am not someone that's good with spreadsheets. I'm not someone that's good at following through on admin. So as my business has grown, I've hired people to do that. I have a bookkeeper. I have an assistant. My husband does a lot of stuff around Profit First. So if you don't know what Profit First is, I'll probably talk about it more. But it's a book and it sets out how to manage your money in lots of ways. Okay, so I've got one comment here. No debt. So this is what it means to be good with money. Or no certain debt, i.e. mortgages is different. Yeah or um, good at using it to make it work for you, so investing and using it in the best way. And then another one saying, considering myself a capable adult definitely involves avoiding debt and not spending it all. Oh yeah, I didn't even say that one, savings. So Hillary said savings, pensions, life insurance, all the insurances, being able to pay for things in full. Those are all things that we often say mean we are good with money. Now, I am so sick of hearing people suggest that if only we were more careful with our money, we would have more of it. Now, there is some truth in that. Like we've all had, I remember I paid for six pounds a month for a cardo for about a year after I um, wasn't using a cardo online shopping anymore. 
and it meant I got free delivery, but you know, that's no good if um, you're not actually using it. So, you know, there are definitely ways that we have, I think they're often called leaks in our personal finances or in our business where we find that we're paying for things that we're not getting the service or the return on investment of that. Can, of course that can happen, but it is not the only thing when me and my husband went through a very tricky stage with our finances, the amount of people, and some of you will have, have been in this situation, the amount of people that are just like, just look at your budgeting. Just where can you reduce costs? We can't reduce any more costs. We are not spending much money on food. We have our rent and the minimum bills we can have. We cannot. There's a certain amount of money you can create from getting really, really strict on stuff. However, there is also only so much you can save on that sort of money. Like, And some of you, it would be worth having a look through. But do you know what else people don't talk about enough? They don't talk about the fact that you could also make more money. So we got to a situation where we had stripped back what we could. We didn't even have Spotify, I think, at that point. Or maybe we kept Spotify as like a last thing that actually felt good. But I think we reduced it, Though, which is something like we've been Spotify. I don't know why you want to know this, but let me tell you, we've been Spotify premium members, hashtag not sponsored, since it came out. Like, you know, like, I don't know, like 11 years or something. You can Google it and find out if I'm right. Don't do that. It'd be so dull for you. But yeah, so what I'm saying is we really, really scaled back. We stopped giving to charities. We, um, like, because we had, like, direct debit set up. We scaled everything we could back, and it created a couple of hundred pounds. Our deficit was about 2,000 pounds. So while I'm not saying, like, oh, don't bother with that stuff, my energy is better off being put towards making more than it is obsessively trying to cull back. And sometimes what happens is, and I don't know if you've been in this situation, and it can come from a real place of kind of like scarcity, is like you spend more time hunting for that discount. You know how when you're doing online shopping and it says discount code, I always, and again, I'm not saying it's bad, I always go, oh, I wonder if there's an easy discount code to find. And if there is, I'll use it. I'll Google it and I'll use it. But I'm not going to try a load of them and hunt round for ages because my time is worth money. And if I'm spending ages looking for it, I might as well have just spent the money and got on with something else. So this idea that being good with money is all about saving or spending on sensible stuff. So that's where the other thing comes in. The idea that, you know, it's okay. So some Zoe said, isn't it interesting the way we rank debt? So the very same people that will tell you you should never have debt will also be the people that look down on you if you rent and I'm not going to point out who they are in my life but those people exist in my life we rent our house currently believe me buying the house is coming you're going to get a ton of content on it when it happens but you know that's the same like you should never be in debt but you should also get into the biggest debt that you'll ever get in in your life like in all likelihood what which one which one's okay and of course I'm not here suggesting everybody gets into debt and I want to do a whole video on debt actually, but I do think there's a lot of privilege that you don't even realize exists because we don't realize that access to debt is not possible for everybody. For those of us that have had to call on family members to start our businesses, I did. I had to borrow money for coaching. Not everybody's got generational wealth to call on. Similarly, if you've not got generational wealth, what might be available to you is a credit card. And the choice might be, 
I start my business on a credit card or it doesn't get started at all. My way out of this issue is to use that debt that is available to me. Similarly, someone might not even have access to that. They might not be able to get access to a credit card for a number of reasons, maybe due to the area they live in, maybe due to other people's debt that's connected with theirs, maybe due to their past debt through lack of knowledge. It can be really exhausting to suggest and very privileged to suggest that we are not allowed to touch debt because that makes us bad with money. It depends what you do with it. It depends if you are able to pay it back. I am never suggesting people get themselves into a proper pickle with debt. I'm also not suggesting they go to like the sort of dodgy places that ramp ramp up the interest. But equally, we want all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds to have access to starting businesses. That is not possible for everybody by doing it the way that we are laying out for them. It just isn't. Sorry, I get really, it's a real thing for me. It's also this idea that, you know, um, I think often when people are saying just, you know, cut back the money. I remember my dad saying that when my parents had very little money that they, somebody from their church sat them down and was like, well, you let me just go through your finances. And they just act like it was mismanagement. And my dad was like, no, the, the, the problem is that not enough money's coming in. That's the issue. It's not my management of money. But that leads me on to what often happens in this situation. There are so many ways in which money has parallels with the diet industry. And one of those things is this idea of being good with money is similar to being good with food. Being good with money often means depriving yourself or spending in ways that are thought to be okay, you know, a societally approved. And so being good with money will mean, you know, budgeting really hard, sticking to that budget, spending within your means. What can happen then is money, and this is what happens to food too, money becomes so boring and joyless. It becomes more and more and more of a stress. And we're actually like, all money is, is about depriving yourself of not doing too much with it, of being really careful, of considering every single choice you make and being bad with money is spending it. It's being frivolous with it. Now, frivolous to me is a very gendered word. And I'm really happy to hear of anyone that's like, no, Ray, I've heard it used a different way. Really happy to hear. I can only think of frivolous being really a word that's used for the way women spend. Think about the things that women stereotypically spend on. Makeup, clothes, stuff for the house, beauty stuff, often things that are called shallow and frivolous, meaningless. Now, I, as is well documented in much of my content, have a skincare obsession. I don't think it is meaningless for me to enjoy looking after myself. Every evening and every morning, I spend proper time with my own face. And as women, we are taught that our faces and our features are not good enough. And I spend time giving that, that part of me care and love. I don't think that's frivolous. And I think the impact on my self-esteem is not frivolous or shallow. So the idea that in order to be good with money, you must essentially starve yourself of what is um, frivolous and shallow, which is spending, that it is wrong to get joy from spending money, that it's wrong to get joy from money at all, because money can't buy you happiness, right? And that's true. If you've got deep seated issues, if you've got stuff that you need to go and see a therapist for, money can't buy you happiness. It can't buy you out of those feelings, but it can buy you that therapist. It can do that. It can give you access to choices. 
it can enable you to give money to family members who need it. It can bring a lot of joy that way. And that's all right. It's okay to get joy from spending. And one of the things autumn kids, so basically, sorry, I shouldn't, I'm aware that this is going to go out like just on <laughs> on audio as well for the podcast. So I, my skincare obsession means that I bought the Caroline Hirons uh, summer kit. I am all over the autumn kit. And if you don't know what I mean, just go to Caroline Hirons um, Instagram, but it is like joining a cult and I'm all right with that. So we are asked to deny ourselves. We're asked, so I was talking about the links between the diet industry. We're asked to starve ourselves of these things in order to be good with money, very like being good with food. But what happens when you go on a diet, a really strict diet? Has anyone ever done, oh my God, what's the one that I did? Oh, what's it called? It's a, pa- a version of paleo where you go like for a month, like you do 30 days of not eating a certain thing. Somebody w- might remember and tell me. What would happen? I've done those a few times this is before I knew about diet culture and stuff. And I would lose loads of weight. And then I would put on even more weight afterwards. And often what happens is if we're really strict on something like food, or on a number of different things and we don't allow ourselves balance we binge we have a moment of splurging and that's what happens with money so you might get your payments down you concentrate and concentrate on getting those monthly payments down being really strict with your budget but what can happen if you don't allow yourself freedom is that you need balance and so out pops over here oh my God, now I've just bought a load of things and they're meaningless things and I don't really want to do it. And then the narrative keeps going because I'm bad with money. I'm bad with money. So what happens is we tell ourselves that we have to like get better, like be good and contain ourselves and contain ourselves and we need balance. Our bod- our brains, if we make money, if we make being good with money, all about control, all about limitation, all about... Um, pairing back our brains want that balance and so that's where the splurge comes in because our need for joy our need our capacity for expansion and excitement will just come out somewhere else and we'll probably do it in an unconsidered and unconscious way and then it feeds that narrative you're bad with money but the thing with that is that we are also telling our brains that's whole 30 thank you hillary thank god that would have really annoyed me (laughs) Old 30. So the thing is with that is that what we're telling our brains is that money, more money comes from money stress. More money comes from looking at every single number, even if that's not your inclination, even if you don't enjoy that. You can learn to enjoy it. I have. That more money comes from hard work. It comes from thinking about every single movement. It doesn't come from joy. It doesn't come from spending. And then what happens is your brain's like, this money stuff seems stressful. Why would I add more of that? The point of your brain is not to make you happy. It's to keep you safe. That's a quote you'll hear me say all the time. If your brain understood what about happiness, it'd be like, oh, actually money will give you access to therapy and then you can deal with that thing. But that's not what your brain does. Your brain's like, this seems stressful. Money seems really stressful for you. You hate doing those spreadsheets. You're not going to want more of it. Imagine once you've got more money, how much stress is that going to be? And so it's like, how can I stop her getting more money and adding more stress? How many of you have thought about taxes? This comes up a lot. I'd like to earn more, but I'm terrified of paying taxes. That is because you already find the idea of tax stressful. And so your brain goes, more money equals more tax. I can't do that. And it might actually be quite a conscious thing. 
actually more money also means accountants, bookkeepers, people who know what they're doing with that stuff. So tax becomes, the more I've earned, the less stressful tax is because there's the money to pay for it. There's the money to pay for professionals to help me with it. It's not, our brains are such simple beasts. They're like, boom, boom. Like one plus one equals four. They're just like, but that means that, right? No, there's nuance in it. So there was something else I wanted to say on this before I finished up. Yes, I wanted to tell you a story about us. So next month, we will finish paying off all our debt. And that has come. And also in the last three months, I have earned more and more money. So particularly in the last, but it's been going up all year. But the last, so where are we? So for August, July and June. I broke through the 20k a month barrier that had been there, imaginary barrier. And I've kept that up for these last few months. I'm now in a situation, God, I've only just realized that. I remember my coach, a previous coach of mine saying once, like a 20k a month is bad for me. And she didn't mean like, I'm not grateful for it or anything like that. She just meant like, I normally earn more than that. So that, and, and actually what happens, of course, is your business grows, your expenses grow, your overheads grow. So I'm now at a situation where I could probably say that, like under 20K, I'd be a bit like, huh, I'd be grateful for every single penny. Don't get me wrong. But I'd also be like, hmm, I was hoping for more. What happened was me and my husband sat down before lockdown, I think, but only just. And we were talking about our triggers for uh, feeling like we didn't have enough money. And one of the things that came up is that even though I was making quite a lot of money, we were still getting uh, bank notifications. And every time they would kick me back into a memory of really tricky times. And the reason we were getting that is because we weren't transferring enough over. We weren't fully following this guy. I wouldn't, I'm going to ask, I've got a friend called, uh, I say I won't say her name in case she says no, but I've got a friend who's an expert on this. So I'm going to get her on the podcast. This is a whole method of accounting. Um, and um, we made the decision to really know, like focus on those triggers of things that made us feel like we didn't have enough money. And so we started to, make changes in how we um look after our money and the way that we organize it and i have to say that book plus starling makes it easy even for me and i am not somebody who likes to sit down and talk about it even now i just find that sort of like thing quite boring i'm not very good at doing stuff that bores me uh, it comes up in my therapy a lot um so we started to allocate more money to ourselves it started off being we didn't have any spending money for ourselves until then it started off being 15 pounds, 10 pounds, like smaller amounts. And as my income grew, because we in Profit First, you do it by percentages, like we would get more and more. Now we could have put much more into debt. Of course we could, we could have paid it off sooner. But I am convinced that part of the reason I've been able to bust through those income uh, amounts, like levels, is because I was enjoying money so much. And I love spending money. I like, my husband particularly loves being generous with friends, paying for meals for them and drinks. And we've been able to do that after a long time of really not being able to do that. We've been able to do up stuff in the house and we've paid off our debt, which was significant. I can't, I will tell you the full amount once it's sorted, but I don't know it off by heart because there were some figure discrepancies (laughs) once we actually really got down to it. But we've been able to pay off that debt. Um, in like four or five months but we've also spent money but that's the best with money we've ever been if we're talking about being good with money because we've been able to enjoy it and for my brain to go particularly my brain that is the one that goes and earns the money to go like I just want more of this 
money feels full of like serotonin, which is the like love hormone. Like it's enjoyable. And it's not like I'm buying wastefully. I'm not buying without thought. I buy very consciously. I really consider what goes into our house. It's a small house. I don't want it cluttered with stuff. I'm very careful with what I'm doing. I want to give my money to makers and um, people whose work gets overlooked, all of that stuff. But I can now. And we've paid off the debt. And that's what I want to say when it comes to being good with money versus being bad with money. Firstly, that you want to be enjoying your money. And the more you enjoy it, and don't get me wrong, it's enjoyable to pay off debt. It's delightful. Absolutely. But it's, it's an, not an and or, it's an and and situation. You can do both. And rather than just thinking about how you can reduce your output, reduce, consolidate, all of those words that I just don't think are actually very helpful, have a think about how you can be mindful and conscious and make more money. Allow it to be something that you find joy in because that's really what it, it gives you opportunities. That's all it does. It's just an object. It's just an object and an idea. That's for another podcast. <laughs> right. Thank you for joining me for this third episode of my podcast. I've really enjoyed today. So thank you all for watching along. And if you've got any questions, if you've got a suggestion of someone you'd like to come on, if you've got a suggestion for a topic even, please do send me a message. I really love hearing from you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Making Women. Please do go and leave us a review. They have a huge impact on getting podcasts like mine heard. I also wanted to let you know where you can find me. So if you want to find more of what I do, you can find me in my Facebook group, Money Making Women, or you can find me on Instagram. I'm Ray underscore Dodd. I really want to say a special thank you to Emily Crosby, who edits these for me, and I will see you for our next episode. Thank you.